Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. It's Monday, but you know what that means. It's JD Monday. Jessica Burke, <laughs> this is her day back here on Unbossed. Jessica, how are you doing today? Good to be here, best day of the week. I like JB Mondays, I like Unbossed Mondays. Me too, I'm always looking forward to our time together on Mondays with all of you as well. And so we have a really great show. We're gonna be talking about how Trump had dinner with a whole bunch of racist folks. Yeah, he did that and how you know the marijuana proposal from the president kind of half measure. We need to go a lot further. We're gonna go a little deeper about what needs to happen with that proposal and the president has the power to go a whole lot further. And then we have got an update on the Brittany Kreiner situation. As you know, here on Unbossed, every single show, we talk about Brittany and her plight. We lift her and we lift her family, and we have an update for you today. But let's get to Trump's dinner with Nick Puentes. So by now, you have all heard that President Donald J. Trump had dinner with white nationalist Nick Puentes. And Kanye over the weekend. Now we know about Kanye, but you may not know a whole lot about Nick. Watch this. When it comes to the Jews, here's the silver lining. It tends to go from zero to 60. Like they're not wrong about that. But there's a reason for that. And the reason is them, okay? When it comes to the Jews, every society where has gone down with these people, it always goes from zero to 60. The Jews had better start being nice to people like us because what comes out of this is gonna be a lot uglier and a lot worse for them than anything that's being said on this show or has been said on this show. And how about this? Nine and 10 blacks vote for Democrats. Why do they do that? God only knows. Why do they play the knockout game? Why do they punch white people in the street for no reason? Why do they rob five 7-Elevens in 30 minutes? Why do they walk around with their pants around their ankles? I don't know. I'm not black, so it's not my experience. It's unexplainable, but this is what they do. <laughs> okay, This is how they are. It is what it is. Why would we create these opportunity zones and a platinum plan and... Just send the military in, do what must be done. Send the military into these black neighborhoods, make the streets safe, they'll complain about it. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. This dude right here is a pure unadulterated racist. He's anti-black and he's anti-Semitic and he really is scum, literally. And the language that he used is utterly disgusting to say the least. His call to bring the military, in particularly, particularly to bring the military into the black community is very much eerily reminiscent of what happened in 1985 with the MOVE bombing. Take a look at this. 1985, the Philadelphia Police Department attempted to serve a warrant for members of the black liberation group MOVE. The group denied police entry into their home. After an armed standoff and gunfight, police dropped two bombs on the building, which destroyed over 60 homes, killed 11 people, including children, and left 250 homeless. No one in the government was ever charged. Now this happened in 1985, not 1885, not 1785, but 1985. On terms of the historic continuum, that is certainly not that long ago. And you got this fool, Nick, calling on the military to come into black communities and drop bombs. This also reminds me of what happened during the Tulsa riots as well. This man is a straight up fool. Let's put up this headline, Tulsa race massacre 100 years later, why it happened and why it's still relevant. The city's black Wall Street was among the most prosperous neighborhood in America and a black utopia. And then it was burned to the ground. And so while the media has been up in arms over Kyrie Irving as of late, it is people like Nick Fuentes that they need to be up in arms about. He is the true racist 
anti-black and anti-Semitic, all giddy about race war, mayhem and foolishness. It is enough to make your blood boil. If your blood is not boiling, you don't have a pulse. Jessica. Yeah, if you're wondering how a 24 year old got a platform talking about politics as a college dropout, his credentials are attending the Charlottesville rally and speaking at Donald Trump Jr's events. That's really, he's willing to deny the Holocaust. He's willing to preach white supremacy. He doesn't have to have any sort of merit or anything of substance to share other than spewing racism. Like this is really what this guy stands for. He just has a platform because he's willing to do the bidding of the far right. The only motivation he has is to build a white nationalist state. It's disgusting that someone like this can have a career in American politics and there are people willing to pay him to share his thoughts and views. And the fact that he's hanging out with Kanye West, someone who used to say, you know, George Bush doesn't care about black people and be an outspoken advocate is really sad. Uh, but Donald Trump having him at a dinner and pretending he doesn't know who he is is really ridiculous because Donald Trump does know who he is, but he does the thing where he's like laughing during his show. He was laughing when he was like, "Oh, Donald Trump said he doesn't know who I am." He's so uncomfortable with what he's saying that he laughs through it, and it's almost like Tucker Carlson. And it's like psychotic and scary to watch him laugh through his commentary. Yeah, he's a straight up fool. I mean, he is yeah. a menace to society. So for all the people who tried to cancel Kyrie, Hmm, let's see what happens with this dude. Let's see if it's gonna be the same kind of outcry and outrage that was directed at Kyrie Irving. Is it going to be directed at Nick Fuentes? I'm, I'm waiting for that, I wanna see that. And so these are the kinds of folks that President Donald J. Trump is ready, willing and able to surround himself around. And 2024 is on the way. We know that he's already declared his candidacy. He is running for president and for anybody who thinks that Mr. Trump is going to fade away, you need to wake the hell up. And I mean right away, wake up very quickly, because this man is not going anywhere. And we've said it here on Unboss, you can mark it, underline it, exclamation point, underscore, message in a bottle, smoke signals, whatever you gotta do. Know that we said it here first, he is not going away. And he is even more dangerous than ever. So the GOP won't say anything about what this man is doing, what he is saying, who he is aligning himself with. You know why they're not gonna say anything? Because all they care about are the votes and they need those mega, those MAGA voters. They don't wanna piss off the MAGA voters, so they're not gonna say a daggone thing about what Trump is doing and what he is saying and what he is aligning him, who he is aligning himself with. So let's look at this headline, GOP lawmakers hushed on Trump's dinner with white nationalists. Now it's very clear who Nick Fuentes is. We don't have to guess, we know exactly who he is. This is not a mistake, this is not an accident, he did not misspeak. This is exactly who he is. So again, I want to see the same smoke and the same energy that was directed towards Kyrie to be directed this way. Or is it only the black man y'all wanna humiliate in public? and bring to his knees. I wanna see the same type of outrage about his anti-blackness, bomb the black community, send the military in, his stereotypes, his anti-black anti posture to be called to question. And people start fleeing this man and make him pay a consequence for this hate speech. We gonna wait for this to happen. So Republicans embrace the dangerous white nationalist replacement and invasion conspiracies as a midterm strategy. Again, these people do not care, all they want is to win. And they're stoking this kind of fear and this kind of hatred in hopes that they will win. And they don't care how they divide and conquer, that is exactly what they are doing. The next headline, more MAGA than ever. It's hard to overstate how radicalized and uh, archaic, the base of the Republican Party remains. Like even to this day, right now, not two years ago, not three years ago, right this minute. And we saw it happen on January 6th. I mean, what more do we need to prove? What, what more do we need to show us that these mega voters, these mega supporters 
will do the bidding of President Donald J. Trump and they don't care what it takes to do it. And that includes some people who are still in Congress right now who rejected the outcome of the 2020 elections just hours after it happened. And they will make a martyr of Donald J. Trump, make no mistake about it. And Trump knew that in 2016 and he knows it now. From Rex from the USA Today, we're gonna put this up. Why Trump, why would Trump want to walk away? He has a cult-like following. He grifts daily with scammy emails and overpriced MAGA gear. He could tell his faithful followers to walk naked into a lake filled with piranhas and they would do it, holding signs that read fish fights for freedom, hashtag mega. Just, I mean, that is no exaggeration right there. I mean, they really hit the nail on the head. No, that's absolutely correct. His followers will do anything in support of him. He's won them all over and now they're loyal to him without question. And it's really sad that people like Nick Fuentes are rallying up the base by saying things that they have no business saying. I mean, his arguments about what's going on in black America are so uninformed. Clearly, he has no real life experience and clearly he also hasn't studied accurate history. I mean, anyone who has. Uh, been in black communities, has talked to people about history, has taken a class on this. You know that intentionally resources and opportunities have been stripped from black neighborhoods across America. Systemic racism is very real, but because we don't teach this in public schools in America, and you have to learn these things through higher education and through having education outside of schools, and a lot of people don't pursue that. There are a lot of Nick Fuentes's out there. There are a lot of people who not along to what he's saying there, and that's really dangerous. And on the front of Kyrie, it's actually insane that people were mad at Kyrie over watching a movie and not mad at Amazon for offering Come the movie on. to be watched, not Come mad on. at owners of the teams for what they do. Like Jerry Jones was at desegregation protest. He was pro-segregation back in the day in Little Rock. But instead, we'd rather be mad at the black players and hold them to a different standard. That's exactly right, and people making excuses for him being there. Yes, he was a teenager, but he needs to, you know, that's it was it was obvious what was going on there. But they're making more excuses for him, and then all over Kyrie again. It's a double standard when it comes to black people all the way around, and there's certainly a double standard when it comes to Kyrie. So again, I want to see that same outrage and and people wanting to cancel. I want to see that smoke go towards Nick. Let's put up this graphic that supports not only what was in the USA Today article, but what Jessica and I are talking about today about the fact that the megas are not going anywhere and that the Republican Party is in lockstep with Donald J. Trump. No matter what they say, they are not going to give up those voters. And so Trump remains very popular, very popular among Republican voters. And so the share of Republican voters who said whether they had a favorable, unfavorable, or unsure view of former President Donald Trump from September 12th to November 15th of this year, just like a few days ago. And as you can see the green, it is clear where these people are. I mean, crystal clear where they are with President Donald J. Trump. He is popular and he is in full control of the Democratic Party. And one more, let's put up this headline. So all the folks that thought the Santas or de-sanctimonious as Trump calls them, that's one nickname I'm gonna agree with the president on, a former president, one of the very few things I would ever agree with him on. But Trump would beat the Santas in 2024 as Biden, as Biden approval rate remains underwater, new poll finds. So Trump is in full control of the Republican Party and he is bringing, he wearing a blue suit over a white sheet. Make no mistake about it and messing around with this dude. Nick is problematic in so many ways and I'm just keeping it PG. GOP, come get your guy. You Republicans who vote, folks who vote Republican, come get your guy. At some point you gotta say enough is enough and they are going too damn far. And Nick has gone too damn far, he has. We'll be right back. We're going on break. We're not going too far away. We'll be right back. Stay right there. Welcome back. I'm still burning hot over that last segment, Jessica. I'm trying to let it go. It's hard for me to, to uh, 
shake that off. But on to the my most favorite part of the show, that'll probably get me calmed down, and that is what our viewers had to say. So we got TYT members, Travel Nurse Dragon says, and Travel Nurse, let me thank you and all nurses for all that you do to keep our patients, to keep all of us. We are in good hands with our nurses. We appreciate you so much. We know that you're overworked and underpaid, so I just got to throw that out there. Travel Nurse Dragon says, these right wing nut jobs seem to be in a contest to see who can be the most horrible human being. Travel Nurse, I do agree with you with that, they are in a contest. And on Twitch, Greg, Craig says, time for Nina the Queen. Oh my God, Greg, thank you so much for that, baby. Wearing that crown, you know, I don't, I don't believe in monarchies, but you know, if there has to be one, I do wanna be the queen. Hell, if it's gonna be one, Jessica, I need to be the queen. <laughs> Just saying. All right, on YouTube Super Chat, Vaughn says Nina for president. Vaughn, thank you so much. I do appreciate that greatly. I do. And we here on Unbossed and TYT Network, we appreciate each and every one of you because we cannot do what we do without you. We are a team. And speaking of teams, do not forget to hashtag WeRBG. If you are on social media, please lift up Brittany Griner, lift up her family. This is a very hard time for them, and especially a hard time for Brittany over there in a penal colony in Russia. And let's not forget our our brothers and sisters, our family and friends in Jackson, Mississippi. Clean water, clean water, clean water. Did you hear me say clean water? And you can help us here at TYT by going by by going to tyt.com/relief. That is tyt.com/relief. Let's do that. So President Biden has me saying once again, WTF, neoliberal. We will now kneel. Miss Cinema, Miss Cinema, no. I have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. President Biden's cannabis pardons are a start, they are. Let me establish that right now, but they're only a start. And we are a long, long way from the finish line. And we don't have to be a long way from the finish line because the president has within his power right now through executive order to continue to push this. He could use the bully pulpit to continue to push Congress, have those conversations on the state level. More works, More work needs to be done in an effort to undo or to make some crooked path straights when it straight when it comes to the war on drugs. So let's put up this headline. Marijuana pardons affect just a sliver of those swept up in the war on drugs. President Biden's pardons for thousands of Americans convicted of possessing marijuana don't apply to state charges or many immigrants at risk of deportation. So in a New York Times article, President Biden's decision last month to pardon thousands of people who had been convicted of marijuana possession under federal law was an acknowledgement that his administration does not see possession of cannabis with no intent to sell or distribute as a public safety net. So again, I wanna be clear, it is a start. I will acknowledge that start, but why just stop there when we have so many more miles to go? And so many lives were destroyed because of the war on drugs that this president, this President, yeah, I said this president has a particular responsibility to make some crooked paths straight. So, more than 55% of the 7,800 citizens and legal permanent residents convicted of federal marijuana possession from 1992 to 2001 were black or Hispanic. Most of the prosecutions for the drug have occurred in California, Arizona, and Texas. Nearly 150 people were sentenced in the federal prison system for marijuana possession in the 2021 fiscal year, while more than 1,000 offenders were sentenced for trafficking in marijuana. And they just don't understand why in the 21st century, in 2022, we're still doing that when so many states have already legalized marijuana. It is time for the federal government to get a clue. A majority of marijuana convictions have been state crimes. And that is one of the reasons why the president's power does not stretch to the state level, but certainly he could use the bully pulpit to continue to push and make this a number one priority. So majority of marijuana convictions have been state crimes, which Mr. Biden does not have the authority to pardon. 
he can only hope that governors will follow suit. Suit. I think the president can do more than hope. Uh, he carries the biggest stick, so we can put some work, some sweat equity behind that hope. Uh, furthermore, though, the pardons themselves do not cover people, uh, immigrants. So there are immigrants who are being deported for possession of cannabis. They left out many immigrants. Let's take a look at this. But they left out many immigrants at risk of deportation because of marijuana convictions. Mr. Biden's order failed to instruct federal immigration authorities to stop deporting immigrants for possession of pot, according to a letter sent to Mr. Biden this month by a dozen of civil and immigrant rights groups. So even this part right here, when we just look at immigrants, he has the absolute power to stop that on the federal level, but has not done so. And here is what some of the groups had to say in that letter to the president. You rooted the October 6th proclamation in the pursuit of racial equity, noting that black and brown people have been arrested, prosecuted and convicted at disproportionate rates. The groups wrote, yet you exclude black and brown immigrants facing the same structural racism in the as United States citizens. So Jessica, it does seem that the president can do much more than what he's doing right now. I do want to acknowledge again the start, but I'm, I'm not, uh, it's not floating my boat that much. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous that it was illegal in the first place to smoke weed. Because when we think about what should be deemed a criminal activity in a society, usually it's something that hurts somebody else. No one is hurt from someone smoking weed. They might be hurting themselves a little bit because of their lungs, but it doesn't make you dangerous. It doesn't impact the people around you. So it shouldn't be illegal. So why was it illegal? Because police use this at their convenience. They would say, oh, you know what? I smell marijuana and use it as a reason to stop and frisk people, eventually end up arresting them just so that they could disproportionately arrest black Americans who are arrested 3.73 times that of whites for smoking marijuana. It's not that white people weren't smoking, it's just they were not getting arrested for it. So this is obviously a racial justice issue and if we're going to correct it, we need to expunge everybody's records, pardon people and release them from jail. Not just simple possession, but also those who are in jail for selling marijuana. Because if it's not hurting anybody and there's no reason it should have been illegal, there's no reason people should be in jail for simply selling marijuana. It doesn't make any sense in these half measure solutions to policy problems. The administration's doing this with student loan debt as well by only canceling, you know, 10 to 15 or $20,000 of it when we should be canceling all of it and making public college free. These half measures don't make sense because they don't fully address the problems. No, they don't. And it is a total disregard of the impact that these policies have had on individuals who have had to go to jail, state jail, or federal jail or prisons, it impacts them, their families and their communities. And it does have a generational impact. And the president is out of step. So is all the other elected officials who wanna be timid about whether or not we should legalize, decriminalize and legalize marijuana. They are out of step with the American people. Not the first time, won't be the last time. Let's take a look at this headline. Support for legal marijuana inches up to a new high of 68%. And that is coming from Gallup. So thank you, Megan, for this wonderful article that you wrote. Gallup first measured the public's view of marijuana legalization in 1969, when 12% of Americans backed it. By 1977, support had more than doubled to 28%. It did not exceed 30% until 2000, but has risen steeply in the two decades since then, and is now twice what it was in 2001 and 2003. And so we do see clearly by the numbers, the math is mathing. Andrew Yang, Yang usually says the math ain't mathing. Right now the math is mathing when it comes to how the American people feel about legalizing cannabis. So let's go ahead and do it. If the federal government descheduled cannabis and took it off of the schedule with heroin, 
that would go a long way in forcing and pushing these states to do more. It is nice to see that on the local level and also on the, on the state level, shout out to Oregon's governor, that some governors are taking matters into their own hands. But the federal government certainly carries the biggest stick and will have the greatest influence of on whether or not we can erase the scourge of locking people up for partaking in the Puff Puff Pass and or as you said, Jessica, uh, selling marijuana. And let's put up the graphic though of uh, the Gallup poll. I want people to see this steadily rising. Yes, legalize it. Do you think the use of marijuana should be made legal or not? And the American people are basically saying hell yes. So to all the activist groups out there that have been working very hard to push not only this president, but this study push decade after decade after decade. Thank you so much for what you are doing and do not give up. Do not get weary and well doing, continue to push. And in the words of our dear friend, Michael Render, AKA Killer Mike, I want you to continue to plot, plan, strategize, organize and mobilize. The day is absolutely coming where marijuana will be legalized in this nation, but it won't be legalized out of the kindness of the hearts of politicians. It will be legalized because of activists and because of the American people. The rail strike continues, watch this. But Congress will not let the strike happen, that's for sure. It would be devastating to our economy, so we'll, we'll get to a resolution one way or another. And Republicans will support the president if he agrees with the railroad workers. Well, I certainly would. I mean, every member of Congress has got to speak for themselves, but uh, failure is not an option here. We cannot have uh, our transportation system responsible for one third of our products being transported throughout our country uh, shut down. That's not an option. Indeed, not an option. You just watched Republican Brian Fitzpatrick talking about the looming rail strike. It was nice to hear him say, hey, if the president does that, agrees with what the rail workers want, I will vote for it. Can't speak for the rest of the GOP, but as for me, I'm right there with them. Very refreshing, Representative, glad to see it. But what Representative Fitzpatrick says is still alarming as, re as Republicans are set to take back Congress in the coming months. And we're not so sure that all Republicans would agree with what he just said. So under the Railway Labor Act of 1926, Congress has the authority to intervene in rail labor disputes, power it has used in the past. Under, or if Republicans intervene, they are likely to let railroad giants off the hook and continue to abuse their power and also their employees. And that is no stretch. Again, you just heard Representative Fitzpatrick, he paused. I mean, there was a little pause there, Jessica. He couldn't even really answer that question. He said, Well, for me, I will say yes, but for the rest, I can't speak. And I think that's very telling. Yeah, I think it is really telling. Of course, this should not be a power of Congress, right? These disputes should be settled by the workers and their unions, and they should be allowed to go on strike strike for as long as they need to to get their demands met because they're not asking for much. And what they're asking for can be easily afforded by these rail companies that are profiting in the billions and spending those billions on stock buybacks when they could easily afford what the workers are asking for, which is to have sick days. They had no sick days when they went on strike. And these rail companies had three years to sort out these contracts, but didn't because they were so greedy. They wouldn't give their workers even one sick day, which is unheard of. And I think what everyone's afraid of is that if Congress does end up settling this dispute over the contract to end the strike, is that they're not gonna vote in favor or pass legislation in favor of the workers, that it's most likely going to benefit the rail companies. And a lot of people are trying to blame the workers for striking because this strike will eventually lead to a huge disruption in our economy because these rail lines cover about a third of our economic activity on the supply side in this country. And so that's a huge consequence for people in grocery stores, but it's not the workers fault, it's the boss's fault. That's exactly right, and we should be concerned. And that's why when they first call themselves settling this, they should have settled it to the advantage of the workers, but they hedged and here we are. And I'm really glad that the real workers are not taking this line down, that they are fighting for their right to just have basic rights, basic decency on the job. And as a reminder, here's what the real workers are 
asking for. Not a whole lot as Jessica laid out. Demands for paid sick leave had become the primary point of contention in negotiations over a new contract. The issue that threatened to prompt a strike by more than 100,000 rail workers. You wanna talk about shutting this down? It will be shut all the way down if the rail workers go on strike and rightfully so. And what kind of bosses, what kind of people who own companies would not have within the purview, not the purview, but would not have within the work conditions for the workers an opportunity to have sick leave, to be human means from time to time. You do not feel well, why wouldn't they allow these workers? It's just a matter of course to be able to take sick time and not have penalty. We need to pass the PRO Act on the federal level and the federal level needs to do a better job through public policy of protecting workers from this kind of foolishness and mayhem. And so this was sparked in June as some of you may recall, a locomotive engineer died of a heart attack after he put off a doctor's visit because he was called into work. So you got workers afraid to even go to the doctor. It is sick, you understand me? It is absolutely sick. It is a moral stain on this nation that people do not have paid family and sick leave. Let's underscore it, let's underline it, let's bold it. Let's put it in a message in a bottle. Let's do smoke signals. Let's put it on Instagram, Twitter, all the social media ridiculous and immoral as hell as these people are killing themselves every single day, literally to get packages through and goods through makes no sense. The federal government needs to hold these railroad companies accountable for this. Well, I don't know, they cozying up to these folks because they the owner donors. That's, that's why somebody can die on a job like this, because they own the donors. So rail workers are often forced to be on call. 24/7. You know what? That ain't that is nowhere no way to live with minimal rest between long shifts and are penalized for taking days off for doctors appointments or health emergencies. Again, to be human means you get sick and then also if you are not sick you might have a family emergency. Why can't you have a paid day off? Because you need it. This is this is insanity. It really is. So the deal did not include a sick days for workers when they first started negotiating this. And the Biden White House as a victory for workers and profitable rail companies, the union rejected the contract and rightfully so. I'm glad that they did reject the contract. When it comes to pay, since 2004, the profits of the largest American railroads have increased more than sevenfold, reaching nearly 23 billion last year. From 2015 to 2019, Worker pay increased less than 14% while pay for chief executives more than doubled. These folks are greedy as hell. Let's put up this tweet. When railroads refuse to give us sick time, what they are saying is their profits are worth, are worth more important than workers and the national economy. So anyway, their profits are more important than their workers and the national economy. Hold the railroads accountable. Tell your elected leaders to give railroad workers the sick time they need or let them strike. And it's not just the sick time that they need, it's the sick time that they damn deserve. This is madness. So what's the solution? Let's put this up. One day of Warren Buffett's wealth gains could fund 15 days of paid sick leave for rail workers. Yeah, we said it. One day of Warren Buffett's wealth gains could fund 15 days of paid sick leave for rail workers. Thank you, Jake Johnson of Common Dreams for making that clear. And one more, here's Senator Sanders laying it on him via tweet. Warren Buffett, the owner of BNSL, uh, SF Railways, parent company became $1.38 billion richer yesterday. In one day, Mr. Buffett made twice as much money as it would cost to guarantee 15 paid sick days a year to every rail worker in America. The greed of the rail industry must end. 
Oh yeah, baby, it must end. And it is going to be we the people. We got to come on now. We got to lock arms with our sisters and brothers and family and friends in the rail industry. This makes no sense. And guess what? What happens to them directly definitely does happen to all of us indirectly. Because if they shut this sucker down, baby, nothing is going to get through. So let's go ahead and support the rail workers. We'll be right back. Ponder that. We'll be back after this. On to our second half of your comments on TYT. TYT member Mickey C says, it would be so much more simple if the federal government issued a blanket legality for weed. That would eliminate all of the stumbling blocks. You better say that Mickey. And on Twitch, Melanie says, the whole world needs to go on economic boycotts and strikes at the same time. Oh man, that would be a thing of beauty, a general strike. Yeah. And on YouTube Super Chat, Terrence says, love Senator Nina Turner with exclamation points. Now Terrence, you know you got me smiling. Thank you so much. And many thanks to all of you. Again, all of our viewers, all of our subscribers, everybody that's a member, you help us do what we do on TYT. And here on Unboss, we really do appreciate you more than we could express in just mere words. I want you to know that. Protests continue in China. The people of China are crying out for help. Watch this. As you saw from the video, these protests are stemming from a fire that killed 10 people in a residential high rise. And the people of China, they just not sitting back taking that, they take to the streets. And the protests have put a spotlight on how China is handling COVID in the country. Frustrations over mismanagement and arbitrary coronavirus restrictions have escalated into protests across China in recent days. Authorities earlier this month announced that testing and quarantine requirements would be relaxed, but a record number of cases soon after prompted many major cities to confine millions to their homes. And we can really understand why people are so frustrated. And here are the factors of China's zero COVID Policy, there it is, China's COVID policies. Local authorities must impose strict lockdowns. Mass testing is carried out in places where cases have been reported. People with COVID are isolated at home or placed under quarantine at government facilities. Businesses and schools are closed in lockdown areas. Shops must also close except for those selling food. And lockdowns last until there are no new infections, none that are reported that is. And that's coming from BBC News. And these policies have really affected millions of people in very brutal ways. Tens of millions of people have been living under some kind of lockdown. Some local authorities have taken extreme measures such as forcing workers to sleep inside factories so they can work while Quarantine, I'll be damned. And this is from earlier this month. Residents spent last week pleading desperately for food as they suffered through the latest of the country's stringent lockdowns in the central province of Henan. Migrant workers have abandoned a lockdown Foxconn factory in mass walking for miles to escape an outbreak at China's largest iPhone assembly site. Let me just say this, we are all connected. And if we did not understand that before, especially in our lifetime, the COVID-19 pandemic has reminded us of that or introduced us to how connected we all are. So y'all saw the iPhones, many of us have iPhones, knowing that folks are working their hearts out and also faced with either contracting COVID, all to put together some damn iPhones. All right, we need to get our priorities straight. Glad to see the people of China, Jessica, standing up and fighting back. 
Yeah, it's really good to see that many people in the streets for something like this because here in the United States at the beginning of COVID at Amazon warehouses, they had regular employees testing as they were coming in and out. They had regular employees with no healthcare training. Uh, administering COVID tests to masses of warehouse workers. And Pushan Brown, who is responsible for testing, complained to management and said, hey, I have no training, I have no PPE, and you're having me test hundreds of workers coming into work every day. Uh, I'm scared that I'm going to get COVID. She ended up dying. At, at in her 30s, her early 30s. And so conditions like this happen in the United States as well. And there's a happy medium when it comes to making uh, health policy and public policy around epidemics and pandemics. And you can provide tests for all of these people without forcing them to be locked down in the warehouse or forcing them to go to work in unsafe conditions. And this is what happens when you have governments that are not interested in protecting their people and are instead interested in having the economy run profiting in GDP over literal human lives. Yeah, unfettered greed, this is what it gets us. We will keep an eye on this, this is global. These work conditions, how workers are treated or mistreated is a global disgrace. So California's justice reform law, we are moving into some good news today. Finally, California lawmakers approved one of the most far reaching criminal justice reform measures in the nation this year. Take a look at this headline, it is a beauty. California will soon have the nation's most expansive record clearing law. Yeah, the new law will take effect in July, but what will it do? You asked, I'm so glad you did, we got the answer for you here. The measure will automatically seal convictions and arrest records for most ex-offenders who are not convicted of another felony for four years after completing their sentences. Records of arrest that didn't lead to convictions will also be sealed. Yeah, baby, underline, underscore, bold that. Let's put some exclamation points and some messages in the bottle on that one. Now, I want you to keep in mind, because you got some folks, Oh my God, criminals running wild. No, let's keep this in mind. There are some exceptions to this. People convicted of serious and violent felonies and those requiring sex offender registration. Let that stay up, because I need this to seep in. Cause you got some folks who gonna, you know, especially the GOP who wanna talk about how Democrats are letting criminals run amok. No, there are exceptions to this law. People convicted of serious and violent felonies and those requiring sex offender registration. Please phone a friend on this before they start talking smack about this. And the benefits here, let's look at that. Advocates push for the change because they said such records can prevent once incarcerated people from getting jobs, housing, schooling, and more that people need second chances. Jessica, I know we don't have much longer in this segment, so I wanna give you the opportunity to comment. Yeah, I mean, when we think about crime, a lot of people are socialized to believe that anyone who's earned the label of criminal is someone who's violent and less than a human being, which is never the case. A lot of people are labeled criminals because the police stopped them on the street and decided they didn't like their attitude and arrested them on you know, resisting arrest or assault on a police officer when that wasn't even what really happened. It is so insane how frequently that is the case in the United States. Is that someone who deserves to earn the label of a criminal and all that comes with it, absolutely not. So we we need this kind of criminal justice reform and it's unacceptable that, that people have that belief. Uh, and so deconstructing that idea is essential for this being successful because when you look at the data, recidivism rates uh, are worse when you have people with this on their record because it limits their opportunities to get a job and reenter the formal economy. A lot of times people commit crimes of economic necessity. You have the NYPD frequently showing that they've repossessed things that were stolen and it's baby formula. People are struggling and they need options and they should be able to get jobs once they've served their time. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I served in the Ohio Senate, I was on the criminal justice committee. And so policy can go a long way to helping people regain their lives, get a second chance. And let us not forget most people who go away to prison, they come out 
and do you want them to come out better or worse? And so this is definitely a step in the right direction. And I do want to put before we leave this segment, this graph, because not only is this good in terms of reforming a legal system that is unjust, look at the type of money. It's a reminder that the state, state of California spent 20 billion on incarceration and crime in 2015. California state and county spending on incarceration and responding to crime exceeded $20 billion in 2014 and 2015. And imagine what they could do with that money if they drive down these rates. They could reinvest that money on the positive side of the ledger instead of the negative side of the ledger. You better go ahead on California. We're gonna keep watching this as well. And speaking of watching, Brittany Griner, we have some updates on that. We are committed, as you all know, every single day of keeping this story alive and reminding folks that Brittany Griner is not free. Not only is she not free, she is not forgotten on Unboss. So US awaits serious response from Russia over Brittany Griner's release proposal. Diplomats in Moscow said, says US has put a significant proposal on the table in an effort to free basketball star jailed on drug conviction. So I want to remind you that Griner was arrested in February for having cannabis oil. Yeah, cannabis oil. Griner 32 is a two-time Olympic gold medalist and champion with the NCAA Baylor's University as well as the WNBA's Phoenix Mercury. She was arrested on the 17th of February, a week before Russia sent troops into Ukraine at a Moscow airport with vape cartridges containing cannabis oil, which is banned in Russia. And many of us believe she was used, she's being used as a pawn here. Uh, unfortunately, between Russia and the United States. She was sentenced to nine years, nine years, and her appeal did not yield a positive uh, effect or positive outcome. As we know, they kept it going and not only did they say they are staying the course on this, they sent her to a penal colony. On November 17th, Griner's lawyers, said she had been transferred to the IK-2 penal colony in Mordovia to start her sentence. Waylon is being held in a separate facility in Mordovia, and that's Paul Waylon, a Marine. So Jessica, I'm glad to see some movement on this. The negotiations it seems will include not only Brittany Griner, but also Paul Waylon as well. Yeah, I think it's interesting that we're at a point where Biden is pardoning people in the United States for their drug records for marijuana. And also we have Brittany Griner in jail for accidentally packing this thing. And it's insane that there is no leeway for an honest mistake for something like this in Russia. I mean, everything that's going on here, the fact that she was invited there to play basketball and should have been treated like a guest of the country. They were happy to have her there. She's an absolute star and an amazing player. And this was an honest mistake that she packed it. And so it's so clear that it's being used uh, as a political ploy and to treat people like they're pawns in the game of international geopolitics is wild. But the fact that the US government hasn't been more proactive about this, I think is really just telling about how black women are treated by the, the justice system and by society on an international level. You got that right, Jessica. We could do a whole series of segments about that. And notice that this happened right before Russia invaded the Ukraine. So it is very clear what they were doing here with Brittany Griner. And unfortunately, she got caught up in this geopolitical war. And let us not forget that if the WNBA players were paid more, then maybe she would not have had to go over to Russia to earn more money. So we need to deal with the economics behind this as well. But certainly very happy to see some movement on this. Come on, let's go bring let's let's bring Brittany home and bring Paul home as well. Keep on pushing. We'll keep you posted on this story. You know this, no doubt. We are on Brittany Griner Watch, baby, on Unbossed on a regular basis. Let's put up this picture. Let us not forget happier times with Brittany and her wife, how beautiful they look. Brittany, we are praying for you and your family. Just know that there are a whole bunch of people here praying and pushing for you to come home.
we won't forget you, not here on Unboss. On to our bones, the wishbone, the jawbone, and the backbone, baby. Now y'all remember what grandma said, the wishbone is for hoping and praying. The jawbone will give you courage to lift your voice. And the backbone, the most important bone of them all, of them all will give you the courage to stand, baby. Going through your trials and your tribulations, you cannot have a testimony without a test. These are my grandmother's three bones. And today we're highlighting the wishbone. We got Mark Twain and his pseudonym of Samuel Langhorn Clements. And this quote from Mark Twain, the two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. Mark Twain, American humorist, journalist, lecturer, and novelist. There's something beautiful about those words. The two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. So let me give you my Turnerism interpretation that you, yeah, you, yes, you, baby, regardless of your various titles or lack thereof, are unique. Just like your fingerprint, there's only one of you. Number two, the fact that you are in this world is so vitally important. You are not expendable. And I know that there are moments in your life where you may feel like you are. Life can make you feel expendable. But you are not. And third, it's your task to find out why you're here, your why, what's your calling, your assignment, what brings you joy, what gives you life, what gives life, what gives meaning to your life. And I want to quote Reverend T.D. Jakes on this you must make your purpose your passion. Oh, yeah, you matter. Two most important days the day you were born and the day you find out why. Jessica? I love the wishbone. The wishbone is such a good practice because the news is so terrible. Uh, but yeah, I think it's beautiful to talk about how unique people are because I don't know, so oftentimes we preach individualism in this country and it means that you should fight for yourself as an individual instead of, you know, celebrate your joy and come together and achieve something uh, bigger. Like individualism and being unique and being a snowflake are these things that have been misconstrued. And I think we should reclaim things uh, that have been obscured by the dominant narrative. And that's what the wishbone's all about. It's a good practice. Yeah, it really is. And, and Mark Twain really just, it was a few words, but just very profound that people have to go deep inside and find out who they really are. What is your purpose in life that you in fact do matter? Yes, you, you matter. Well, that is our time today on Unboss on this JB Monday. We did that thing today and we're gonna do it again and again and again. And thank you so much for joining us and making this show a success. Now, you know what time it is, you know exactly what I want you to do. I want you to keep the faith, but more importantly, I want you to keep the fight. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.